Shopping with Whimsy. Howdy, friendos, and welcome back to another episode of Coping with Whimsy with Josh and Lindsay. On today's episode, fancy pants toys and fabulous jackets, as bedazz, movies Lindsay hasn't seen, get yourself a crown, get yourself a cape, boom, you're royalty. How are you coping this week? How am I coping? Yes. How dare you ask me such a bold question? (laughs) You never could have expected it. Definitely wasn't a fair question. How could I ever do that? And you know what, Josh? I think I'm coping pretty well. And I'll be honest, I am coping with uh, two main things at the moment. My Mm. strategies are, one, so many lists, just to-do lists and trying to work on prioritizing them. Life has been hella busy. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, also by buying myself fancy, expensive toys that are going to like legitimately pay off. And having yeah. so many jackets. Don't forget all the jackets you got. You were, oh, yes. you were ready to go. The, yes, I'm using the delightfulness of, you know, fabulous jackets to cope as well. Fancy pants, toys, and fabulous jackets. Yeah, for a crafter um, and a costume person, I feel like to some degree those are the same thing. <laughs> Like, a good jacket is also a toy for you. Yeah, you know, you are totally right. My goodness. Of course I am. I said it. And, yeah, speaking of, you know, coping, I think another thing I really want to do, you know, as part of my Mm self-care is take a day off Uh eventually or, like, an evening or morning or some amount of time Mm -hmm. off to specifically just bedazzle my wardrobe, like, my day-to-day stuff, not costing me work things, Uh things for me. Oh, is this the cash bedage you've uh, mentioned before? It's actually cash bedaz. Oh, sorry, I, I don't speak whatever language. Dash. Bedage. 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 Cash bedage. House bedage. <laughs> a rhinestone-covered <laughs> drag house. <laughs> oh God. Coming to a streaming service near you. Yeah. That guy from American Horror Story is probably somehow involved. I don't know. You're probably. Yeah. I don't know who you're talking about, but it seems very likely. I want to say his name's Brian. I can't remember. Michael? I don't know, some name. The guy who did American Horror Story. I think he also did a show about drag queens or maybe just produced it. It's a cool concept because it was like the historical uh, historical drag houses. So very um, clearly inspired by Paris is Burning. I don't think that, that would be a shock to anybody watching it, which is a great documentary about um, drag performance in New York in like the late 70s, early 80s. I guess like 82 or something it was filmed. But dude, I still haven't seen Paris is Burning or uh, The Angry Inch. You cry in the good way. Is it like some in the angry inch? Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Thank you. Which for some reason I always think is like 20 years older than it actually is. That movie came out in like 2004. I always thought it was like, I think I get it confused with Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Oh, that one I have. Which is hilarious when you really think about those movies. So they only have one thing in common. (laughs) That's about it. Yeah, I would. I honestly wouldn't know. And it's one of those things where we have had this exchange multiple times where it comes up that these are movies I haven't seen. And every time it's like, what? Um, mm. And we just haven't done anything about it. You know, speaking of lists, we should actually we used to have a list in the yeah. like the early dating times where we actually just had a physical list of movies. Unfortunately, it was on paper. So it got uh, well, very lost. Um, mm. But really, though, we need we need a list. Yeah, we need okay. lists, man. I, uh, I guess I'm just uh, a, a free former. I like uh, like watching, living life without a net, you know, or an executive functioning disorder. It was one of the two. It's one of the two. It's either a, a characteristic that's fun or a something that's pathological. 
See, and that's why I think, you know, my coping mechanism mm. is lists because yeah. as somebody who, you know, uh, is very ADD, if I don't have the lists, I feel like I'm just falling through a void and I just like, you know, there are a bunch of ladders on the walls and I keep on reaching for them and my fingertips will just graze the rungs Ooh. trying to remember things and get shit done. And it's just this <laughs> desperate clawing motion. Uh, so lists help me actually, uh, you know, get a good hold on said ladders and not fall down the pit of... Life. Oh yeah, I've definitely heard that for people. And every time I make a list, I feel really good about it. But I'm just so good at like it's out of my brain; it no longer exists. Not saying that I remember things when I don't write it down because I don't do that either. True. But uh, in some way, it's almost like an excuse to like, yeah, it's on the paper somewhere. I'll find it when I need it. It's fine. Just feel good about having had the thought. Yeah, exactly. Oh my goodness, this is the other side of your Catholic coin. Ooh. You feel, you know, have the thought crime. A Catholic coin. Yeah, right? Well, it's just like the double-edged sword, the double-sided coin. Do You know what I'm trying to say. Point is, though, you talk about, like, uh, you know, the thought crimes. You have the bad thought. Mm. You know, this is this, like, Catholic thing that you, uh, you yes. experienced growing up. This is the other side of that. You've had the good thought. You did the good boy thing, and now it's done. Mm. Totally. Well, I think, frankly, because when I get that, you know, thought crime thing, I got a lot of that from, I don't know if I mentioned that on this podcast. I feel like this podcast is going to be 90% me just asking if I've ever talked about this before. Please ignore me. I forget absolutely everything. Well, it's but cool. If we don't write it down, I'm going to forget too. So Just a classic piece of a bit that George Carlin had on Class Clown on the uh, Catholic side of the record. Just the idea of... Uh, you know, if you think about going up and feeling feeling up whoever, you've committed multiple crimes at the time you feel her up. It was a crime to think about. It was a crime to buy the ticket to go there. It was a crime to get on the train. And it was a crime to feel her up. So if you thought about it, save your bus fare. You know, you've, you've already committed the crime. And I think there is definitely some truth to that, too, where you just, like, punish yourself in advance because you're like, oh, I don't want to be sad about this later, so I'll be sad about it right now. Right now. You know? The possibility. The possibility of me being sad later trumps the, this, the, the, the immediate sadness I'm absolutely going to feel by telling myself I can't or shouldn't. It's weird. Yeah, that, that doesn't make any sense to me. I don't, I well, I think a lot of people do it and don't realize they do it too. You know, just negative self-talk in a lot of ways is that because you've let yourself had a thought and then you have to remind yourself that it's frivolous or you're not good at that thing or it's going to cost too much money or time. And even if those things are right, I think often that comes from the instinct of just like, ah, why bother? You know? Hmm. Maybe it makes perfect sense to me after all. Mm. Dun, dun, dun. There was a good stutter there. Did you hear that? Maybe, 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 maybe. Very good. Every so often you vaguely turn into like Beaker. <laughs> like, and again, this is why we have to put this on video because that Beaker face. <laughs> you could do a good Beaker and a good like... Uh, you, you said monkey, and you also referred to yourself as like a who. It's perfect who face, like who. It really is. Well, it's this is the thing was uh, we were trying to do a podcast recording, and it was uh, the lighting and the angle of the camera. Great. I mean, I could do it anywhere, anytime. The who face sure. got it in That's the what bag. It said on the Walt the men's room. Oh, the phone number. Yeah. However, uh, yeah, they just like stared at it a little too long while you were trying to fiddle with the audio stuff. And it was just like, it's a who, it's a monkey, it's a who, it's a monkey. It's hard to stare. It's, it's, it's so hard to stare at yourself and not turn into a game or just look away right away. <laughs> yeah, just staring contests with yourself. Have you ever done the whole mirror gazing thing? 
I have looked into a mirror before. Uh, gazing sounds a little more uh, involved than I think I usually do. At least sober. <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah, no, it is uh, uh, hella interesting. You could be, like, dead sober around the five-minute mark. Things to get really trippy. Highly mm. recommend, even if it's, like, you know... Uh, people do this often for, you know, the spiritually introspective practices and stuff. But even if you want to, like, look outside of that, I recommend doing it just for its, I don't know, entertainment sake alone. Trippy Today's, shit, man. I, um, I, I hate doing anything with purpose. So I always feel very uncomfortable in conversations where it's like, you should just, like, mindful whatever. We've had this conversation before about a friend of yours who... Uh, would investigate the concept of mindful masturbation. And I remember my first thought to that being like, can I just do anything without having to really think about it? I remember Fine. this conversation. You were like offended it by got, the concept. I was, I was definitely mad in a way I did not expect. I like worked myself up. I was like, why is this a fucking... Like, and it's not a weird thing. And out of that moment, I don't think that that person is weird to try and think about their sexuality and think about, you know, what they're actually doing with their body. That isn't weird at all. But just in that one moment, I'm like, I felt like I was attacked by the concept of this thing existing and I was just like reached out in the most like most like um radiation based way possible I just wanted to burn <laughs> just like ah you burn know, it off me I, I honestly in hindsight feel that this was probably just like a, a wounded uh Josh child moment where it's like you know teachers reprimanding you for not paying attention mm. they're like what do you mean I just want to be able to like you know do that th I have a hard time focusing on the thing and I feel like that's kind of what happened you were like inner uh child Josh has had a little like meltdown about yeah. uh, mindful masturbation because you were like but I'm doing it right I swear back off exactly I'm comfortable with how this is working I get from A to B it's fine. And quite frankly, I participate in both of these things. Sometimes you just like, just go for it, man. Like there's uh, something to be said for just that. That's in itself just like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you know, uh, yeah, not mindfulness is sometimes mm -hmm. fun too. Well, Fuck it. But also mindfulness oh, yeah. is good. I'm just saying like there are two very different types of orgasms. Mm. Like I'm not even fucking with you. Should Hello, make, dear listener. To make a list or is it just the two? <laughs> Or should we put this on the list with the movies? Uh, what? Why would this be on the list? How, you said there's two, but I feel like the more you're going to talk about this, you're going to come up with uh, more types of orgasms. Oh yeah, no, See, I there, there are is. many different types, but the I mean, I just mean returns. if we're just looking between like being mindful and not mindful, like you're just like the type is just very different. I also just yeah was had a dear listener moment where I was like, oh yeah, we're recording this, and people are going to listen to it. You want to talk about uh, masturbation? This is weird. It's weird now. I made it weird. The first time I had an orgasm, it was a Sunday in May. Uh, a new issue of the WWF magazine had come out, and Sable oh had done a wet t-shirt. You're not joking. I don't have to answer that question. I will answer this one that no one asked. A thing that reestablished the heterosexual side of my sexuality, or like really like pinned down that, oh, I, I can... I like things, was when... Um, summer joined the cast of Baywatch I don't remember what season that was <laughs> but I remember just looking at the at that woman when I was like I must have been like six seven and just being like I don't know what this is but I like it and I want more of it all the time <laughs> I feel things I yeah. can't name them not sure what's going on here but I approve <laughs> I've added a uh, new feeling onto my list of feelings exactly <laughs> I've labeled it question mark question mark exclamation mark Wow. Question mark. God, that's an interesting mindful thing. Like, 
being a child and like investigating emotions before you actually understand what it might even be. Just like, what the hell was that? You know, I was really mad and like, you know, am I jealous? Like, you know, coming to these concepts to try to figure it out. I think as adults, we take it for granted because we feel like emotions are just completely innate. But, um, you know, the way we relate to them at the very least absolutely isn't. And we have to learn that. But oh, just, my goodness. I feel like people it. are very out of touch with what they're actually feeling and why, like, often. Uh, I try really, really hard to be mindful about these things. I don't always succeed. Uh, human, you know? But I feel like there are some people who just don't bother trying. Yes. To just, yeah, like, yeah. frivolously feel things. And again, this is a time and a place, absolutely. But, uh, which honestly, I think that when we started hanging out, that was kind of like refreshing for me because I had come from a place of having to like overanalyze absolutely every single feeling all of the time and have an explanation because, well, that's what happens when you're in like emotionally abusive relationships. <laughs> the worst. And uh, yeah, I remember that being a, a thing that I found like kind of relieving about hanging out with you is that you like kind of reminded me sometimes just fuck it. Like, just feel the thing, like be alive, just like let that happen, you know? And it was uh, pretty refreshing. I don't think I was always so ridiculously emotionally regimented. I think I used to be in a healthier space with it and then I just swung way one way. Mm -hmm. and, uh, well, thanks for helping me bring uh, things back to center. Well, thank you. Mm -hmm. I, it's definitely not any kind of superpower or like guruship because I think a lot of it was I was dealing with a lot of same similar things that you were, at least emotionally. Because I think after you leave a relationship that isn't good or is especially long or what have you, I think you have to come to some rules with yourself because you are raw and you have to recognize that, like, you know, you're operating at an emotional um, surplus at the moment. So, like, you know, maybe you hear that third eye blind, uh, blind song and you somehow end up crying in your car to work. That is weirdly specific. Um, For no reason at all, I'm sure. I've never cried to that song. I can say that. Uh, but... I can't say against the wind. Um, I didn't cry to that or night moves. Man, those songs. Anyways, uh, <laughs> but this thing that we do in this post relationship state, you know, sometimes it's a traumatic thing, but it doesn't even have to be that. Uh, but anytime you leave a situation and your conditions are different now, it's easy to to rem to maybe over remind yourself, to maybe over compartmentalize yourself. Not to say any kind of like you know, emotional training or bad behaviors that were taught to you or given to you through that relationship aren't real either because they are. But fuck, I think a lot of it was like, if I looked like I had it figured out, it was because I was just figuring it out with you too. It's just like, like I've always wanted to believe people shouldn't feel bad about how they feel. Um, I went to, of all things, it was like the Feminist Porn, porn Awards in Toronto. I can't even remember the bookstore that threw this. This was before 2010. I want to say I was like 23 or something. I can't even remember. But I went with a group of friends. And um, I remember there being... I think I actually heard it on the radio. But it was somebody being interviewed from there. Some independent uh, uh, porn uh, director who she tried to make queer-focused content specifically. and But a lot of it was based on... Um, like not actually I can't even remember if it's specifically sadomasochistic or what have you but it was at least fetishistic and enough that someone was like do you ever have trouble like coming to terms with what you like in your sex life 
and what you put on screen like that and what like the actual dominant roles that exist in society and her point was like yeah i get that and you need to consider that mm -hmm. but at the same time no one should necessarily feel bad because they're sexually attracted to a thing because that doesn't help at all even if you really shouldn't even if that thing could damage you or is harmful to others it doesn't help you to sit there and be like i'm a bad boy because guess what that's part of it you know it's your emotional cycle that you're building so when we over compartmentalize ourselves we then just constantly like double guess ourselves on everything and like this must mean the worst possible answer because you know, that's how we think about ourselves i think it's also very different to like you know have the side note i say we all the time I generally just mean me. I think I'm the queen. I think that's what that is. Sorry. Oh, ahead. I think of you as the queen too, by oh. the way. Absolutely. It's because of my lovely bum. The royal we. Mm. Oh my goodness. I can't remember what I was going to say, uh, but now I have bounced ADD thoughts to Good. working at the zoo and giving children what I was referring to as the best life advice they will ever receive. <laughs> I oh goodness it was just like a group of little girls and they were just so cute and I was you know like being the LED monarch I have a cape and a crown and I'm like you, you got these fabulous shoulders and they're all lighting up and I'm waving and you know doing bows and curtsies and uh yeah straight up I was just like the best life advice you're ever gonna receive listen up kids okay cool get yourself a crown get yourself a cape learn to wave like this boom you're royalty you're welcome yeah and uh, yeah, I think a couple of them thought I was serious. That or they were just like investigating me so closely because they wanted to know if I was actually the fire dancer. Either way, they yeah, they really they were really really paying attention. <laughs> oh my goodness! I really Roving hope that is fun, uh, isn't it? I just uh, this is all brand new <laughs> to me, but I've love how for work I get to what I like to call I get to make fun of kids and their parents laugh with me. You know, I get to tease kids, but like I'm dressed as a giant. Um, sparkly jellyfish at the time and Lindsay of course as is previously described is dressed as like a cartoon king but covered in LEDs I'm majestic as fuck oh yeah well you're majestic without the LEDs well, thank let me you. let you know okay I think it's important to get that stated as a base you're majestic um, but just the ability to like I don't know. It's just funny because kids can be so gullible in the best ways because it all comes from the best place. They just really want to, in a way, they want to either be involved in your bit or they don't want to be lied to. There's like one way or the other <laughs> and they're both so much fun to interact with. Oh, goodness. Uh, I think another one of my favorite moments of roving so far was the group of brownies. My goodness. Just like the the chorus of them, we're brownies. Please, can you tell this story to um, the faceless two or three people that might end up listening to this podcast? Because this is a great one. Hello, dear listener. Let me tell you a story. I so Josh and I bopping around the zoo, wearing awesome costumes, having a great time. Group of children also having a great time. They're just like opening and closing these door things that I think have something to do with educating yourself about it. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know. It's like some kind of farm-based advent calendar looking thing. Yeah. They were getting bored pretty quickly. And then we showed up and they were just like super enthralled. There was probably around like, I want to say like around 10 of them. And they're just, you know, varying heights of like shoulder to hip. And they're just so cute and so happy to be there. And like their eyes double in size and they're just like, ooh, glowy people. And uh, yeah, they're just like, what are you? Josh is like, I'm a jellyfish. What are you? And the tallest one in the group who clearly was like, you know, running, running the show. 
was just like, we're brownies. And a couple of them in the back are like, we're brownies. And it was just the, the cutest fucking thing. And I was like, oh, what's what's that like? And then she was telling us about, you know, being a brownie and about how they have a song. And she did this weird little hand signal and tried to get her friends to pay attention. And then they serenaded us. And it was the cutest thing. Oh, my gosh. I loved it. It was great. It was uh my favorite part of the whole thing was the slightly old, like young teenage, uh, um, I guess, would they be girl guides at that point? I, I don't, don't know, know how their, the their hierarchy wranglers. works. I'm an anarchist. I don't believe in these kind of hierarchies. It's pointless. Um, I digress. The older girls that were there watching them, um, they just like were so like, they just rolled their eyes and right away you could get the dynamics of them and all those kids right away. And it was just kind of like, they're going to sing the song. <laughs> like kind of cringing on behalf of them. Again. Oh God. Which again is that vibe of just like, oh, kids are goofy and we get to laugh at them with their, uh, with the people that are in their care, that they're in their care of. Oh, it's the best. Mm-hmm. I really did like those girls. That was funny. It was definitely one of those moments where it's like, yeah, I could do this for a job. This is fine. This is good. Yeah, it's great. I love it. Honestly, it is. It's like not everybody's good at it too, which is like, you know, it mm-hmm. first seems ridiculous. I'd be like, oh, you're walking around in a fun costume. You're talking to kids. Like how hard could it really be? But it is hard because you have to like yeah. come up with little bits and like, you know, respond mm-hmm. on the fly and you have to be able to just like be on, you know, you can't just like be having a weird day and like like bop about and like not engage like your job is to create these memories right and like you i you know i've said it before like you you know you're doing well when people stop to take photos with you right which is a little extra weird in a covid era but people are still doing it it's just not as often so like the barometer is a little different but like yeah no you're really good at it dude like right out the gate i've always been good at teasing children i just it's just nice to finally find a way to get paid for it Oh, absolutely. You know, I'm not just like yelling things for my cars. It's like kids skateboarding by with stiff knees. Bend your knees, you're going to kill yourself. Yeah, see, that's that's not really like teasing. That's actually... Well, I kind of want them to fall off when I say it. Oh. I mean, I don't do anything other than just say it. But I I, I wouldn't feel bad if they did. Could we argue that this is like helpful bullying? Um, We could. I'm not going to. But we could do that. We'd be like, I'm reminded, I don't know why my brain is going there, instantly reminded of like fucking um, Jenny Jones or any other 90s uh, morning talk show where they'll have like a bullying episode and then they'll always bring up the bully's mom and they're like, it's good, it's good that they do it. You know, I used to uh, poke dog's eyes with sticks all the time and I turned out fine. It's cool. Hey, look at me, my horrible monster children. I love it. <laughs> I love that. Just that vibe so much of people convince themselves it's okay. and uh, But now I get to do that professionally. So it's great. Yeah. Yeah. I refer to myself as uh, bullying people like all the time when it comes to training. You know? Because I, I teach flexibility and then I also teach contortion. Uh, so there's a there's a difference there, you know, and I want to make flexibility accessible to people, and I, you know I don't always want to like poke and prod and like overcorrect and like push people into you know like higher ranges of discomfort and stuff. But as soon as you get into like the more contortiony things and you want to like make different types of gains and like make those shapes, you you need that, mm-hmm. right? Like you need somebody to like I do I do the weirdest things sometimes to people like chin pushes or like I put my feet in people's shoulder blades like you do some wild stuff 
And so when I'm, uh, you know, teaching group classes where some people are going to want this and some people are not going to want this, some people want that extra help, just like, hey, if you uh, you want to be bullied, let me know. Just put your hand up. I'll come around. Like, hey, hey, can I can I bully you, Jason? Jason, can I bully you? Okay, cool. <laughs> so, I guess I'm asking consent for bullying. But uh, yeah, I'd refer to it as bullying because like, I don't know, pushes sounds stupid. Mm. What else would you call it? I don't know. Corrections. No. Was it a correction? I don't know. No, I hate that too. I just call it bullying. Uh, I'm not pro-bullying, obviously, but maybe it's just the the shithead in me that loves taking something as bullying and making it into like mm-hmm. a, a term of endearment for my students mm-hmm. that really trust me. Oh, sure. I think some of it is like calling out the silliness of it. It makes it yeah. easier for people to, they don't feel as put on, I think, if you point out that like, you know, this might feel like I'm putting something on you, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh man, God. So, are we gonna make that movie list? Like, where do we start? What's oh, the goal here? Fuck. Right. There's so many movies. We watched a third part of a documentary. I've been watching for like three years now. Um, I think he. I think it's Indigo Gaming is the name of the YouTube channel, um, and they've done three parts of like a cyberpunk documentary where largely it's like a history of cyberpunk as a uh, piece of media basically as a concept as a genre and all different kinds of uh, entertainment and art and it is like very meticulous in that this movie came out in like 1993 this is what happened you know these are the elements they use which they got from this guy kind of like building this history of it which is very fun and useful but also kind of intimidating because we're watching it like we should we should check that out what about that one did you get the last one what was that that other one called and then he listed so many at once they started blending together even though they're all very distinct movies it's just you know eventually you hear enough things you can only retain so much information and then they just blended together and it was just like fuck there were like five movies in there i haven't seen that i really really want to and i can't remember a goddamn thing i remember one of them had dark in the title oh yeah yeah dark city um i think if i'm not mistaken the section there he was specifically trying to run a comparison between three different movies with like cyberpunk themes that all came at the same time and one of them ended up overshadowing the other two um and the dark city i think was one which is like a, a a lot of people consider it like a much watch kind of B movie or even like a just a genre film in general and uh 13th floor which i remember a movie called 13th floor from like the 70s or 80s which is literally about a hidden 13th floor in like a in like a, a office building i can't even remember it was like a kid it was like a tbs movie in the afternoon um but 13th floor which again did not know about sounds really cool and the idea is that those movies came out but uh, then The Matrix came out, and uh, media was very specific after that for, uh, for a little bit. But uh, it was very quickly. Or it might have even been a third movie. Maybe I'm confusing it with another part of that bit. Um, but even still, like those movies just seem so wacky and interesting that I feel, how did I get to this point in my life? And I've never seen 13th Floor, for instance. You know, So it's hard not to want to put it on a list. But he's running through them so fast that it's like, oh no, what was, what was the last one? What was the one before that? Which one would you rather? I feel like in the last couple years I have uh, gradually moved from really enjoying my more like fantasy, you know, mystical lands and powers and like the power of the earth and the wind and, uh, you know, like more like elementally fancy, fancy fantasy, you know, creatures, whatever, to definitely digging a lot more of the cyberpunk lately. 
I I don't know what that is about or if that's like a general like media itself has shifted and I have with it like you know the general like populace uh but my goodness I'm so very into it did that like cyberpunk photo shoot a little while ago that was uh yeah inspired by Pris and like they did the cool makeup and I got to rock that sick jacket inspired by what uh Pris from Blade, Run- Blade Runner oh yes I thought a Pris was like a product or something for some reason I was like well I guess it kind of is I see Blade Runner. It's, it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, no, that I guess that, that did require more context. That yeah. didn't make any sense otherwise. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, uh, really, really super loving it. Like, yeah, aesthetically, intellectually, uh, and like there's so many different ways that you can portray it. And I think I like mm-hmm. that more than just your like fantasy stuff. Don't get me wrong. There's still so much there that is absolutely to be loved. But like as soon as you go more like cyberpunk, futuristic, like more aliens, like I, there's so many different ways that all these things can interact with each other. Mm-hmm. And like the possibilities are just mind blowing and I love I, them. I get what you're saying and I don't disagree entirely. I think fantasy sometimes gets a bad rap because I think we're all looking for certain kinds of fantasy because some old British guy uh, wanted to come up with a mythology for Europe and um, you know, dwarves have been a thing and elves have been a thing in such a way that it's hard for us to even recognize fantasy or we'll give it other names like urban fantasy or like a fairy tale, a modern fairy tale, that kind of stuff because it's becomes like it's become such a specific thing and science fiction can do that too. Like it's funny that you're saying cyberpunk because I think you mean science fiction more in general, but like I, I love the cyberpunk imagery too. But I kind of feel like that has a similar issue in that, you know, we live in the cyberpunk future, you know, where, um, you know, where different aspects of humanity we're transitioning through. We're making changes to the way we interact with the world and machines that um, we were predicting in work like Neuromancer. Um, or the philosophy of like the 70s and the 80s. Um, weird French dudes, look them up. Just literally type weird French dudes. Just make sure you have all the safeties and parental controls locked in on your computer when you do that. Um, I'm but Google this right now, keep talking. I just mean French con- con- like uh, French philosophers from like the 60s and 70s. I think of people like Deleuze and Guattari, for instance, um, who I am not gonna sit here and pretend I completely understand but a lot of this idea of like overcoming the aspects of humanity, but still living in a world that you're paying rent in, that it's hard to exist in, that idea of high tech, low life, um, we live there in a lot of ways. And it's not as fun or as cool or as neon as we wanted it to be. And even in those portrayals, it was still really negative, but we don't have the head jacks so we can go directly into cyberspace where you're still using laptops that cost too much. you know. You know what? Maybe maybe this is why I've gotten more into like the uh, cyberpunky sci-fi stuff. And you're right. I do classify like a cyberpunk is different than just like sci-fi. I in my head it lives under the same umbrella. Just like when mm-hmm. I talk about metal music, there's actually so many of different I mean, types of metal music. Cyberpunk is a genre for sure. Yeah, right. Of, of, but uh, I think that maybe that's why I'm more interested in it. Um, is that more often they explore more themes that are very like critical mm-hmm. of of people and systems and life in general or just like sometimes like nihilistic you know i describe myself as an optimistic nihilist that is uh, my just general stance uh, i often cope with absurdity <laughs> you know like all these uh, that's that's kind of uh, my wheelhouse um not that, i'm sure if i talk to like a you know philosophy student they just yeah i don't i don't want yeah, to yeah we're not they're, trying to be experts and if you can't tell we we already are trying not to read the emails that somebody 10 years from now will write us about this conversation oh my gosh <laughs> 
point is, though, that, uh, yeah, I think that's what I, I like about all these things is that they are uh, intellectually, I think, more interesting. Um, you know, when I was younger, I definitely loved, like, a good story with, like, you know, magic and, like, uh, you know, being a, you know, strong, mm -hmm. special, find the magic within. Uh, and, again, there are lots of different types of stories that are told in that, like, that world as well. It's not always just magic special boy. But still, mm -hmm. like, I don't know. I just... Uh, I think it's more interesting and more more interesting conversations come from oh, in general. Completely. Um, Sci-fi stuff. Um, I think, I, again, I think a lot of that is because of like the way, because all of these types of genres, whether it's horror, science fiction, or fantasy, they get kind of wrapped up in their own tropes and people have an expectation for what those phrases mean. Absolutely, um, yeah. Advertisers and publishers and uh, broadcasters, they all have different ideas on what that means and they want to make sure their audience gets it. So it kind of reduces things down. But I do think you're right in that it's easier to imagine what would it be like if, and it becomes like a technological advancement. I think some of it's just like, I think of like how a person like Gene Roddenberry um as I understand it, uh, got involved with a lot of the more interesting science fiction features of Star Trek. Like, famously, the transporter was a way to deal with the technical limitation of not being able to land a model ship every episode. They just couldn't do it. They couldn't <laughs> afford it. So it was like, well, we could do a trick, make the guy disappear here and just say, like, you know, we broke him down into particles. And then Roddenberry would work backwards. That's he would then awesome. try to make it science-y somehow. Or he would go out... Uh, and talk to people directly and be like, what's the cool new technology? What do you think people like in 10, 20, 50, 100 years, what do you think is going to matter a whole lot that we're not paying attention to? And that's why you get these words and phrases and stuff like tachyons and like all this stuff that to us really doesn't matter too much. But in a Star Trek future, oh boy, does it ever matter? You know, it's, sometimes it's answering these questions that are fun. I mean, Dune, I think, uh, again, welcome back to the Dune portion of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my favorite part about Dune to some degree is just how weird it really feels. It's important to remember how old it is. It's only like a decade, um, like it was being published in that magazine that the first book was published in. Um, I think like just uh, 10 to 15 years after um, Fellowship of the Rings, I think it was. But very close to when Tolkien was writing what we consider like basically classical versions of fantasy. But you look at Dune, and one of the most interesting there is, is that Herbert was very convinced that he was going to write a story that did not feature um, thinking machines, did not feature computers. And trying to come up with ways that in a far future world that a spacefaring civilization can operate without computers, to me, is nuts on its own, but in a way almost turns it into a type of fantasy. But he does that using the tropes of science fiction. So it's like it's called the Holtzman effect or something I can't even remember but he's got this time space bending effect that I think he completely made whole cloth like it's not I don't think it's really based off of any realness but it helps explain how they travel through time uh, time how they travel through space how they uh, um, deal with uh, their their shields the four shields you see them wear in the movie like how those work they're so cool but like and I, but I get you I get you to some degree you want to hear why or how a thing is and I think that can help you build that's better at building a history to me than being like 40,000 years ago, the God of Thunder wrought blah, 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 and the age of darkness was rendered whole by, but those things can live together too. Cause I think that's how we interpret things, right? Religiously or magically. 
Mm-hmm. So, like, if you are in this far future thing and you take things for granted, you know, what does that look like? But you're right. I just think it, in the sense where I think science fiction uh, adds another layer to those things. I think fantasy um, can sometimes struggle with that because sometimes making things fantastical makes it more of a, is making it more of a mystery. That being said, I um, uh, I feel like this is related a little tangentially. Um, I like it when genres kind of step outside those tropes, right? For for example, it wasn't necessarily like the best movie. I actually think I would have preferred it as a TV show, but um, Bright, you know, where it's like fantasy, but it's modern and almost told in a sci-fi type way, mm-hmm. right? Um, or for example, uh, I know that you love the Haunting series. I do too. They're amazing where it's just like, let's do horror, but like in a different way like what yeah. are the ghosts and they they tell it in a different way that's like outside of the, you know like Subverting the more conventional the yeah like what a ghost story is absolutely you know? oh my god i got goosebumps yeah oh like right now they hurt a little bit the series is so good your your goosebumps hurt does it not hurt when you get goosebumps sometimes i mean it feels weird but Oh, sometimes I get goosebumps just like so like intensely. Like it just it's like I don't know, it's like my skin is having a hard time catching up and it feels like pins and needles a little bit. I'm going to have to stop rubbing that homemade acne medication all over your body every day. I feel like that might be causing some effects to your skin. Homemade acne medication? Yeah. You mean jojoba oil? <laughs> is that a real thing or are you also doing a bit? I can't tell. Jojoba oil? <laughs> Ho-ho-hobo? Or are you just... Ho-hobo? Ho-hobo. Santa <laughs> has fallen on some hard times. He's going town to town with his bindle. Oh, stealing no. pies and telling lies. I don't know what that Oh, means. my gosh. Oh, no. Uh, no, I'm just... Because I use jojoba oil pretty much exclusively for my skincare regime. And that is a thing. I, is that like some kind of uh, super fruit? Or like, what's that? Jojoba. Oh, Jesus. No, uh, actually, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't really know what jojoba is. I believe mm-hmm. it is, is it a nut. Uh, oh, Lord. Um, but, you know, it's a, it's a carrier oil, which means that it is often used in, uh, like, cosmetics and stuff um or cleansers whatever to mm-hmm. use, like you know is, is it bleh, use essential oils because if you're using essential oils for things you don't just want to use straight essential oils like that's ridiculous uh so the carrier oil is kind of like the filler the hobo oil is really cool because it uh is the oil that most closely mimics your skin's natural sebum which is a great word sebum anyway uh so it's great for like combination skin because if it's like you know your skin's dry it'll like give it some moisture your skin's oily it'll like kind of bring it back to center it's pretty magical stuff uh yeah honestly it's like the most effective skincare regime i've ever had Ooh. yeah and i'll put like tea tree in it uh or like orange oil or whatever uh it's a lot of oil there was a, a tangent there about skincare i liked it though i did but yeah, you know, it's, well, I'm glad it's to be put skin. to rest that my bit about your skin hurting um, is not possible because you have such great hubbubba oil. Hubbubba hubbubba oil, something to that effect. Oh my goodness! Sorry, we're talking about like sci-fi and fantasy, and I heard hubbubba, and now I'm imagining what kind of creature it is. Ooh. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that's like 
something in like old school D and D would come out in like the fourth monster manual, the hubbubbo, and you're like, that's just, just like a bear with a weird face on it. I don't know. Really, I'm picturing something that's like a Jabba the Hutt adjacent. Oh, you know, so like a giant slug monster or like a giant space gangster. Uh, I don't know about necessarily gangster. I'm picturing just like this weird mindless creature that is impossibly huge with like freakishly thin arms but no back legs and it just uses these arms to kind of inch forward like it drags itself and it never you, blinks. I, I hate to break it to you but I think you are describing uh, the God Emperor uh, from God Emperor of uh, is it God Emperor of Dune? Uh. Lato, Lato the second, or the the second Lato the second, I guess technically. But yeah, when he turns oh, into don't the... give people Dune spoilers. Oh yeah, I'm sorry to spoil this a million year old <laughs> book. God, there's so many people though who have you know watched the movie and never read the books and don't know those things. Oh yeah, and like I honestly haven't read the books. I only know things because we talk about Dune so much, and you have given me like a, you know much of a just so you know. And I've it's... loved every second of it. I'm not upset about it. So I gotta okay. It's one of my favorite things people get get wrong. Um, I have been engaging in Twitter a lot lately, maybe more than I should. I like yeah, to yeah, like point definitely. out weird things and just then like tell yelling people, at people like, on the internet. That's fucking that's weird, man. The thing is a little weird, don't you think? Um, and Dune is one of my favorite because, of course, you get the I get you getting that less now that the movie is popular. People are learning more about the stories themselves, but the idea that he is. Um, that hero's journey kind of thing, special little white savior boy goes to the Arabic-themed land and teaches people how to fight back their oppressors, the white savior complex. Yeah. And, um, of course, um, very quickly that story changes in the books by, like, the second book um, and is much clearly, much more clearly an example of why you shouldn't take that for granted, why we should, you know, I think he... Frank Herbert referred to it as like a warning about, um, uh, what do you call it? A warning about uh, charismatic leaders. Mm. And so, of course, I love getting into people's face about that stuff. But you just find the best shitty takes on Twitter. Somebody had, there's going to be a RPG version, um, a tabletop RPG game like Dungeons and Dragons, for those of you that don't know somehow. What the fuck's wrong with you? It's 2021. You should know what a role-playing game is. <laughs> um and the company there's a company called Free League and they are they make a lot of licensed games pretty well respected stuff it's, some of it's not some of it's not great some of it is a little bit better um, but they are going to be making a Blade Runner uh, game and of course they talk about like I think it's the Los Angeles uh, Reclamation Department or basically the the cyber cops that take out the uh, or robot cops that get the uh, the androids in the in that story anyways so the person posted about it referred to it as like a dated piece of copaganda and copaganda of course being propaganda that's pro-cop just kind of bugged me because I remember thinking of like literally everything Philip K. Dick did and he was like chronically anti-supporting authority like in a way where it like might have ruined his brain um, but he, so like to the only way it could end up being that is if the people that are making this game completely ignored all the source material it's definitely not a pro-cop story. It's not even that boy, it's hard being a cop kind of story. It's like we hard should... Hard out here for a cop. We can't enforce rules on people because we because the rules are always changing, basically. Our understanding of reality is based off of lies, and we can't enforce things on people like that. Like It's just so weird to think of that as like pro-cop. But 
You know, at the same time, I remember Minority Report, the movie, it kind of felt like it was pro-cop, even though it was a movie about a guy who's, you know, hasn't committed a crime. But that's also a Philip K. Dick story, if I remember correctly, originally. So it's not not impossible they could fuck it up, but it's just funny looking at somebody talking about Blade Runner and calling it copaganda, and it's just like, you other people liked this. Other people told you that, yep, this is your, you said a thing, and I harp that. And it's just hard for me not to look at that and just... Okay? Like, what are we talking about? What are we, what are we mad at? Are we mad at um, positive portrayal of police officers that you think reinforce the police system? That's fair. Are we mad at publishers misinterpreting the, work, the intellectual property that they're working with? Are you, do you just not like certain companies because somebody there did something you didn't like once? Like, be specific with me and don't just attack the wide swath of things to be like, yes, I am a very, very smart person. Click. I just find that so obnoxious. But with that said, it's oddly fueling to me, and it's why I love Twitter so much now. I just like seeing other people's bad takes and then uh, quote tweeting them and being like, nah, because like I'm I'm great at um, discourse. That's what it's called, right? Yeah. Discourse these nuts. Oh, jeebus! We can't pull that back. That came out of your mouth. Do you want me to say it again? Can you say it while making freakishly direct eye contact and say it nice and low? I wouldn't say it any other way. <clears throat> I don't have a very low voice, so. <sighs> Discourse, these nuts. Discourse, these nuts. Now you're just showing off. It's not fair. You're good at this. I'm not. I'm learning. I'm learning. How dare you? This I'm good is supposed to be a safe place. I'm good at what? Ugh. I don't know. Making freakishly direct eye contact and saying things in a very breathy and kind of yeah. sassy way. Yeah. In some parts of your life, that has been a professional choice. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. So before we're done here, I want to know what movie we're going to watch next. And so we can come back here and we can tell everybody what we're going to watch. What are we going to watch next, Lindsay? You can pick a genre or a specific movie, whatever you want. Well... I think that we had Dark City on the list already, so maybe we should watch Dark City, Ooh. whichever one that one was. I cannot remember. It's got a lot of raincoats. I remember that specifically. Ooh. I don't want to give away too much. I mean, I can't give away too much because I saw it once when I was like 14, and I just remember being weird and noir. Uh, before I continue on this part of uh, the list, I just I, I keep it pops back up in my brain. I need to say it so it'll it'll stop doing it. I did search weird French dudes, and it's just videos of people making fun of the French accent. That's it. You know that's pretty close to most uh, continental philosophy that I've ever seen. It's very uh, very like you know the post structuralists there. That's like a yeah, real late 60s stuff there. I like it. Yeah, it's it's really just like stereotypes. Like we have uh, photos of, you know, black and white striped shirts holding wine and baguettes with a funny mustache with a ha ha is the, uh, the thing at the bottom of the uh, picture. I'm not going to sit here and condescend to you and explain French philosophy, okay? Like you're just going to have to figure it out on your own. No, that's good. I just was really hoping that, you know, there would actually... You have to educate yourself. Oh, there, here we go. There's, oh my God, Wikipedia just has list of French people. Oh, I love, I love the completely unnecessary lists. What the fuck? Actors, architects, artists, athletes, authors. They, they've just found every single French person in the universe. 
philosophers is in here, by the way. Or obviously. every single French person who updates their own Wikipedia page. Jesus, this is ridiculous. Anyway, I'm going to put that, put that down. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah, other movies great. to watch. Coming back to this, so Dark City. Dark City. Um, I really want to watch the director's commentary on that ridiculous video we watched the other day that made, what was it even called? It was called Dangerous Men. Okay, this is another Neil Breen-esque level of uh, auteur filmmaking, i.e. the kind of person who made a film that was terrible, but super entertaining, like whether it was so a good, good film or not. Uh, there was a riff track of it finally. My understanding is this movie came back to prominence because this guy like made this movie, barely released it anywhere, and then it got re-released, I guess, at some point in the 2000s and then picked up by some shitty DVD release. I say shitty, but you know, a company that buys all these old B-movies and like weird anomalies and gets them DVD releases and that's what happened. Um, but it was so baffling. It was the most comical portrayal of some of the most serious things that could happen in a person's life. It was uh, wild. wild. And maybe we'll uh, talk about that one next time because, God, man, I would love to just explain that to people. Okay, so we're going to watch that with the commentary track, not the riff track version. Absolutely, because it was so good. Like, we watched it and it was so delightful that we were kind of contemplating just putting on the commentary version. I'm never going to a beach again. Right away. Make me. No, beaches are dangerous people. Yeah. Places with dangerous people. Dangerous men beach. <laughs> dangerous beach men. Oh, this <laughs> sounds like a horror movie from the late 50s, early 60s all of a sudden. I like it. Okay, so uh, the commentary version of that, Dark City. Let's start there. Let's not do go overboard because if we make the whole list right now, we're going to lose it and then we're going to do a podcast in three weeks about how we don't remember anything. See, once again, that's like falling down the, the hole with all the ladders and you're just just grazing the rungs and you can't seem to grab onto them. That's life without lists. Yeah. Or Aww. too many lists. Well, I guess we should go make a list then. We'll start there. We'll start there. Nice, small, compact. I like it. It's like a, a Japanese car from the 80s. Yeah. You know, changing the game. Okay. Accurate. Well, that's good for me. Um, you know, you guys know where to find us. It's all in the doobly-doo, the descriptions, the everything else. I'm on Twitter. I've got an album. Lindsay, you've got things too. It's also on there. Yeah. Yeah. Just say goodnight to these fine people. Or good morning. Yeah, I guess it's all relative. Maybe we shouldn't put time in it. Uh, farewell. Farewell. A general farewell. farewell. An inclusive farewell to all. Oh, that's in the covers of faces. I like that. <laughs> a Merry Christmas to all and to all a very inclusive farewell. <laughs> 